Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. I read about a monument to a rescue worker in the Alps Mountains. It goes something like this. There was a a group of mountain climbers who, in climbing the mountain, ended up stranded in a snowstorm. The rescue team realized this and was sent out for them. But in the middle of the rescue, one of the rescuers was overcome by his conditions, and he passed away. They set up a monument to this rescuer, and the monument said these words, quote, he died climbing, unquote. I thought about this in light of where we are in our walks with God. And as fully devoted followers of God, I think that would be a great way to be remembered after we left this world. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about us climbing mountains and freezing to death. But what I am talking is, at the end of our life, they say he died climbing. And what I want to go out climbing for is actually that higher place that Jesus calls us to. I don't think as believers we should be fully satisfied with our walks with God. We should be crying out to him and seeking him, God, make me more like you. God, draw me closer to you. Oh, not for our benefit only, but for the benefit that we can reach others. You see, God didn't save you just to save you. He didn't save you to go, oh, look at my quiver, although that is wonderful but he saved you so that he could use you. And I know what some of you think because you're thinking the same thing that I used to think. Well, God can never use me. God doesn't know my past. God, I mean, I mean, you don't, people don't, I just, no, no, no. Every one of you that is saved in here, every one of you, man, he has given you an extraordinary gift to reach the body, to reach the world. You see, I have a gift, but God has given you a gift. A unique gift for his glory. And I think that when we leave, it was like, okay, okay. I have, you ready? No regrets. I gave it all for God. I tried as hard as I could for the Lord. Not to be, not, not, I tried so I could get into heaven, but I tried because I loved Jesus Christ. That's, that's what he's talking about right here. I think about this often. The Christian life is a journey. And Jesus often leads the way. You see, Jesus, if we'll let him, he'll walk with us. He'll guide us. And listen, you ready? He often wants to take us to a deeper walk with him. He wants to. He wants to. Robert Frost wrote a poem about a traveler who came to a fork in the road. Instead of choosing the most popular road, he chose the one less traveled. And he writes, quote, Two roads diverged in the woods, and I took the one less traveled by. 
And that made all the difference. End quote. In our study this morning, church, listen, we're going to see Jesus do something amazing. Not only is he going to do it with his disciples, but my prayer is that he touches our hearts and does the same thing. You go, Ben, what's he doing? He's going to actually invite them to a deeper walk with him. But just like the disciples, we have to be willing for that deeper walk. You go, what do you mean? He's not just going to come and go, okay, come on. You're... He's going, hey, you, got, you willing? You willing? You want to go deeper? Plus today, as an added bonus, guys, we get to see the real Jesus. You go, the real Jesus? Yeah, we get a glimpse of him in Scripture in his glorified state. This is the real Jesus. You see, right around December, we see little Jesus, meek and mild, and we see him in a, in, in a little cradle, and we go, oh, yay, it's Christmas, and he was born in a manger. And then we see his life throughout the gospel, and he grew up as a man, and he was crucified on the cross. But the real Jesus, wow, we get to see him today. We get to see him. And so we get a glimpse, church, of Jesus and for one little moment, we get to see him in all his glory. And although Matthew was not there, he writes as best as he can of that account. Now, remember where we left off last week. So we took time to see Jesus. What was he doing? He was inviting us to take up our cross and follow him. And we unpacked it like this. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, to us, the cross is not as potent as it would be in Jesus' day. Simply because we don't use the cross as capital punishment. It was, though, entirely relevant in Jesus' day. You see, the Romans in other countries would use crucifixion in which the victim was tied and nailed to a huge wooden beam and left to hang there until he eventually died. From what? Well, exhaustion. How so? He had to push up to just get a breath of air and then back down. Well, that's why they would break the legs of the person so he could no longer push up and eventually die of asphyxiation. It was brutal. It was brutal. So for the Lord to tell us and his disciples, take up your cross and follow me, it was not that, well, you know, it's just my cross to bear. That mother-in-law of mine, that father-in-law drives me crazy. My boss... Those are problems you're going to have. But the cross, what was he calling us to? He was calling us to die. That's what it was. But not only was he calling us to die, you realize that the cross was a very, very public. And Rome made sure that you died very publicly so that you wouldn't cross them again. So Jesus goes to his disciples and he says, hey, are you willing to take up your cross 
and follow me? And instead of trying to find truth to that in our everyday lives, we have to actually compare it to the very truth of the crucifixion. That's where we have to compare it. You go, well, what does it really mean? Well, remember we talked about this. What Jesus is referring to is a commitment to him even unto death. Can I have your attention for just a moment? You realize in our world today, as a fully devoted follower of God, that could be our final destination. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that we're all going to die because that's, go- that's Captain Obvious. But what I'm saying, though, is there might come a time, very, very short time, where we are persecuted and even killed for our faith. Well, why would you say that? Don't you want Pastor Ben saying stuff like that is not going to build the church? God's going to build his church. I need to tell you the truth. You go, well, I hope it never happens. I'm right there with you. I hope it never happens. I hope you and I are singing one day, you know, blessed be your name. And we hear a trumpet and we're out of here. That's what I hope. And next thing you know, I'm just like, hey, this is great. Church, we're not going to go through the tribulation. But we are going to be persecuted for our faith. The stage is set. The wheels are in motion. Well, then what are we supposed to do? Here's my job. Let me give you a solid foundation for the word of God. You guys go deeper with God, a love for God that's so amazing that you will not be swayed. They come and say, don't preach the name of Jesus. You go, Jesus. We're going to take you to jail. Great, I'll have a prison ministry. We're going to kill you. I win! Right? Because that's what Paul said. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what he said. He said, while I'm here, let's go. Let's go. Let's tell people. Let's love on people. They need Jesus. We need Jesus. And when we have Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. So today we see Jesus calling us to a deeper walk with him. So, let's do this, church. Let's start out our study where we left off last week. That was such a teaser. In verse 28 of chapter 16, I said this. Well, I I read this. I didn't say it. I wasn't there, but you guys understand what I'm saying. Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will, not, who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Do you guys see that in verse 28? In other words, what Jesus told his disciples, he's going, okay, guys, listen, listen, we're here. And I'm going to tell you that there are some here that are not going to die until they see the man, Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And you could hear it. <gasps> Wait a minute. So this is the verse, guys, this is the verse that a lot of unbelievers will come, a lot of atheists will come, and they'll point to this verse and go, see, it's wrong. It's wrong. Look at this verse. Why? Because, because Paul's not, or Peter's not alive, and John's not alive. I mean, they all died. That was 2,000 years ago. Come on. This is wrong, and if this is wrong, then the whole Bible is just, let's just throw it out. That, this is the verse they come to. 
but that's where expository Bible teaching comes in. Let's pull out what the text is actually saying. He said, guys, listen, some of you here are not going to see death until you see the kingdom, the Son of Man and his kingdom. And we all go, oh, but then he gives us the answer. Look at verse 17. I mean, chapter 17, verse 1, excuse me. He says, now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. Okay, he's going to give us the answer. If you're taking note, this is known as the transfiguration. Okay, this is the transfiguration. So Jesus takes three guys, three of his inner circle, and he takes them to a mountain to pray. Now, your attention, please. If you were to go to Israel today, there are two mountains that claim that was the Mount of Transfiguration. You, you with me? Now, I know it's hard for you to imagine because we live in the, in the plains of West Texas. There's not a mountain in sight. But in Israel, there's mountains. Now, the first mountain, they say, is Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor, Okay. And this mountain, if we're at Caesarea Philippi, okay, Mount Tabor is 40 miles south, 40 miles south, okay, very populated. A lot of people through there headed in the direction of Jerusalem. And so the Catholic Church came in early and said, no, this is the Mount of Transfiguration. And so they've actually built a, a church up there. The very first time in 2011 that I went to Israel, I think we went up to Mount Tabor. It's very windy. You could get up and at the top and you sort of overlook and they said, yeah, this is it. And then you went back down and and that's all I remember. But the second one, and this is where most Bible scholars believe, is not Mount Tabor. It's actually Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon. Now, if Caesarea Philippi is here and Mount Tabor is here, take about 14 miles and go north and go north, and that's Mount Tabor, okay? And it's not populated. It's very rough terrain. It's hard to get up, and I think this is where Jesus would have taken his disciples. You go, why? I want you to look at your life for just a second. Whenever you have grown in Jesus, it has not been on the easy path. Come on, somebody. Whenever you've grown and he's, and that growth has come, it wasn't on cruise control in your Winnebago. It seems like it was uphill, cactus everywhere, right? Rocks and all, and it was like, oh God, what am I? And, and, and listen, if I was counseling Jesus, I'd say, please don't let me get grow this way. That's too hard. But that's how we grow. Now, some of us have climbed that mountain of growth, have we not? And we didn't like it, and we were complaining at the time. Okay, you know, but when we got and the growth came, what happened? It was, it was so good. And your walk was different. Your prayer life was different. Your attitude was different. Some of us in this room are going to go through some mountain times. Don't fret. Don't fret. It's growth. It's growth. 
growth. So he takes them. For the sake of our study, would you just agree with me that it's, we'll just say it's Mount Hermon. Because I believe it's, it's, it's a little bit harder, it's cold, and, and based on our study, we're just going to say it's Mount Hermon, right? You go, well, Ben, here's the one thing that just trips me out. It, it doesn't take six days to walk 14 miles. You're right. You're right. But Matthew goes now after six days. But here's the thing. I'm thinking it's, it's 14 miles to the mountain at the bottom, but he's going to take him up the mountain. I'm not sure how high. Um, he might have ministered along the way. They may have stopped. It wasn't like how we decide, like, um, like Nathalie, when she runs, she could run 14 miles. She could run 14 miles in, uh, in uh, I don't know how many, an hour, two hours. It'll take me 14 days to run 14 miles. You understand that? So he takes the disciples up. Now, just so you know, Luke actually says it took eight days. What's the difference? Well, Luke is counting the Sabbaths and the Sabbaths rest. So he's giving two Sabbaths on there. You're like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. So what does he do? Love it, guys. Look deep into the scripture. So in our study, Matthew says that Jesus took who? Peter, James, and John. And I love this for several reasons. You go, how so? Well, the first person he takes is Peter. Everybody say Peter. Peter. Why, do, why Peter? Like, like, Peter has just blown it. He blew it last week. Do you guys remember? Over in, in Caesarea Philippi, Peter's like this. Lord, you are the son of God. You are, yes. And, and, and the Lord's like, way to go, Pete. The, the, God, my father gave you that. And he's like, and, and so Pete started walking with a little swag at that point, right? And then they go down a little bit, and he's like, listen, guys, I'm going to the cross. And Pete's like, no, 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 no. And so he goes, get behind me, Satan. So he's rebuked. But what I love is that Peter blew it big time, but he's, he's there with Jesus in the inner circle. Do not count yourself out when you blow it. God doesn't count you out. We all mess up. We all say dumb things. Can I get an amen? We all say dumb things at times. And even in our faith is shallow at times. But the Lord says, no, 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 I still love you. Come on, Pete. Come on, Pete. I love this. He's taking Peter. You know the second thing I love about this, guys? Look at number two. You go, what's that? Not all the disciples got to go. Not all the disciples got to go. And you go, Pastor, what's your point? Let me just say this to you. All things are fair, but not all things are equal. Let that sink in for just a moment. If we were part of the other disciples, what would our reaction be? Would it be like, well, how come I didn't get to go? Hey, you you know, Peter, do you just... Come on, Craig, did you hear what Peter said? Peter messed up. How come I didn't go? That's not fair. When Jesus comes back, I'm going to tell him a thing or two. That's a bad attitude. That's a bad attitude. And so what we have to do, you ready? Stay in your own lane. God, listen, here's what you've got. You've got to, um, you've got to put this to bed. 
What's that? That we need to trust the Lord that he has our very best interest at heart, even when we feel it's not fair. You have to put that to rest, guys. You have to put that to rest. Not everybody, listen, not everybody gets to be the mouthpiece for the Lord. And I get it, church. Listen, I get it. There are some really gifted, wonderful orders that can teach the Bible far better than me. But God has called me here. And God has called you here. And until we start doing church together, and everybody knows their place, everybody runs their own race, that's how we're going to win the world. That's how we're going to win the world. And I'll tell you why. When I was called to be a pastor, I remember God giving me that call. A couple of things happened. I went to Nathalie and I told her, I feel like God is calling me in the ministry. And she gave me that good luck. You're on your own kind of thumbs up kind of thing. And I was like, no, 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 honey, you, you're, you're called too. We're, we're one. And she's like, I didn't marry a pastor. You understand, that's her testimony. That's the first thing that happened. But the second thing that happened, guys, check this out, is that I said, if I'm going to pastor, I need to learn how to play the guitar. I have to learn to play because I've got to lead worship in a smaller setting or Bible study and so forth. Now, I know how to play the guitar. Y'all looking at me like that, you didn't know that. I do. Here's the problem. I'm not gifted at playing the guitar. Okay, I yell at my fingers and they still don't move the way they're supposed to. Now, you guitar students, don't do this. But I cheat on chords. Because my fingers don't move the same way. Okay? If you're supposed to play an A like this, I'll cheat. Okay? You guys are awful quiet. Come on. I'm not gifted in playing the guitar. Other people are gifted in playing the guitar. So me and Talia started at the same time. She picks it up and she's like, I'm just like. Do you understand? Every one of you is gifted in what you're supposed to be doing. And Jesus goes, look, I'm going to take Peter, James, and John. But he took them for another reason. Let me, let me jump on or we'll be here all day. The third, I believe, guys, is, is he's taking those that actually want a deeper walk with him. You go, how so? He's saying, hey, guys, who wants to go with me to, to the mountain? Who, who wants to go higher on the mountain and deeper with me? And maybe James and John and Peter went, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. See, what he's wanting is willing hearts, willing hearts to go deeper. You go, how do I go deeper? I'm going to tell you in just a moment. But the first thing that's popping in my mind is that we can go deeper with him in our prayer life. We can go deeper with him in our prayer. You know, Pastor Ben, I, there's, there's not much I can do. I'm getting old. And man, you can be just a prayer warrior and pray and pray. And pray. Listen, if you desire, if you desire a deeper walk with God, He'll take you. 
But the challenge is this, that he's going to take you through some tough terrain. Difficult circumstances and a higher for a higher plane. And all the books that I've read, they have said for the pastor, for the evangelist, for the minister, if God is going to lift you higher, he has to wound you deeply. Who wants to show, who wants to show up for that? Okay, Ben, if I'm going to use you greatly, I've got to break you. Ah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, Lord. Think about this. Think about some of the most tallest buildings you've ever seen. What do they got to do before they put up a building? They got to dig really deep first, don't they? And if it's not that tall, they don't have to go that deep. But if we're talking skyscrapers, guess what? And that's what God does in our heart. And this is what he's doing. He's telling you today, listen, if you're going to go deeper with me, he's got to, listen, he's got to get some of that stuff out of our heart. Right? Okay, he's got the shovel. Ow! God, that hurts! No! Ow, stop! That's how we are. That's how we are. That's what God wants to do. Once he gets down, once we're broken, once we're humble, then God starts to build us up. And when the ministry in our lives and our giftings get so tall, you go, it's not me. It's not me. It's, it's him. Yeah, but no. 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 When I think of somebody going deeper, I wanted to bring it back to Scripture. What person comes to mind when you think about wanting to go deeper with the Lord? Well, the first person that jumped at my mind was Moses. Do you guys remember Moses? Moses has been walking with God. He's heard the voice of God, but Moses goes, hey, I want to go deeper with God. Do you remember what he said in Exodus 33 and 34? He says, Lord, here's how I want to go deeper. Show me your glory. I want to see you, Lord. I want to go deeper. Well, you guys know the story. The Lord says, no flesh can see me and live. So here's what I'm going to do, Mo. Come here. I'm going to put you in the cliff of the rock, and I'm going to pass by, and when I'll let you, I'll put my hand, and then when you see, it'll be my backside. That's about as much as you can take. And Mo's like, I want to see, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. I want to go deeper. And you go, well, how do we apply this? Well, I think we can take some, very quickly, some, some application from Moses. You go, how so? Well, let me just say this. To go deeper with God, you ready? We need to have a holy dissatisfaction with where you are right now. A holy dissatisfaction. You go, what do you mean? You actually have a desire to go deeper. That's the first thing. Oh, I'm good with God right now. I'm good. Oh, I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper with the Lord. That's the first thing. The second thing, I think, to go deeper with God is we need to understand it's his abundant goodness that allows us to do that. What does that mean? Well, it's not, I'm, I'm going to go deeper with God, so I'm going to try to do everything I can to make God smile at me. I'm going to work really, really hard, and I'm going to just, and God bless you, and how are you? And I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to go feed the homeless over here, and I'm going to do, oh, I'm going to come back over here. And, 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 and then we believe it's our goodness that we should go deeper with God. We need to realize it's his goodness. Say, God, I want to go deeper with you. That's number two. Number three, 
to go deeper with God, we need to understand that it's his sovereign grace as well as holiness and forgiveness and justice. Every one of us wants to go deeper with God until we're at the foot of the mountain ready to walk up. I didn't get no amens on that, did I? Let me say it again. Every one of us wants to go deeper with God until we're at the foot of the mountain and we're looking up. And it's not a hill. It's a mountain. And the Lord said, you, want, you ready to come? Oh. Could, could, we, could we kumbaya right here, Lord? Could we, could we? No, no, no. We're, we're, we're going to go. Well, um, how far? Lord, listen, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. There's a nice clearing right over here. Did you see? Where are we going? You see, I want to go deeper with you. I've got something to show you. Okay, let's go, Lord. Let's go. So back in our text, they're going up a mountain somewhere. Now, the book of Mark tells us, we're in Matthew, but the book of Mark tells us that when they got wherever they were going, they were tired, and they laid down to sleep. You see, we know what's going on, but they didn't know what's going on. They're following Jesus, and they're up there, and they're like, it's probably cold, and they're probably sitting there shivering, and they're like, okay. And the Lord's like, okay, well, let's rest here. And so they sit down, and you know what happens when you rest, right? Sometimes when you're really, really tired, you, you, you can, how many of you can fall asleep really easy? Just, boom. Like, you don't even know you're asleep. <laughs> right? You're reading your Bible, because you guys are awesome. You're reading your Bible, and, and you're like this. And then somebody wakes you up, you go, I'm reading my Bible. Did you even know you were asleep? Just like that. So I think they're tired that way. I think they are. I think they are. I'll never forget when nothing. and I went to Florida last year. Went to Florida, and with all the planes and everything, by the time we got to Florida, it was 1 o'clock in the morning. By the time we got to Artel, it was 3 o'clock. Now, where we were staying was just, was just just a few yards away from the beach, and Nathalie was pumped. We're in Florida. The beach is right there. This is amazing. 3 o'clock in the morning, we get into the hotel room, and she's like this. She's like, hey, I've got a great idea. She's like, let's stay up all night. And then I looked over at her, and she's like this. Gone. I think that's what happened. I guess we're not staying up all night, I said. So guess what? There they are. They were asleep. Look at verse 2. And he was transfigured before them. His face was shone like the sun, and his clothes became what? Notice, white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Now, if you have a pencil handy, circle that word for transfigured because it is the word transformation. It is metamorphosis. This is where we get the word changed in form. And again, I want you to put yourself right here what's going on, okay? So right here, right now, the Lord is giving the disciples, these three disciples, a preview of the future exaltation and the coming kingdom. Could you imagine being startled by this bright light and now you see three guys and you look over here and James is there and you look over here and John is there and you're like, that's not them. But he realizes 
they realize who, do, who, who who's with them. Well, first and foremost, it's the Lord. And they see him in all his glory. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I want you to imagine this. And then they realize that it's Moses and Elijah. You go, wow. But here's what's important. Because it's Moses and Elijah, the Lord is ministering to us, and he's saying that it's, they're illustrated because this is going to be who Christ brings with him. It illustrates Moses and Elijah. Moses is a type of the law. Elijah is a type of the prophets. It's very significant when you look at this. Well, well, what did they do? Who, well, remember that these are Jewish disciples, right? And the disciples represented those who would actually see his coming. Now, we're not talking about the hard podzo. We're talking about the second coming. Okay? Where you and I are going to be part of the law and the prophets, the, the believers coming back with Jesus and the, and the Jewish nation actually seeing this. This would be after the seven-year tribulation. You're like, whoa. That's heavy. Why? Because when Jesus comes back and he actually sets his foot on the earth, it's going to be in the Mount of Olives in Israel. The Mount of Olives in Israel. So these guys wake up. They see him. Oh, that's Moses. It's Elijah. Wow. What do you think they're talking about? What do you think they're talking about? Well, again, we need to understand that Moses represented the law and Elijah represented the prophets. Just keep this in mind real quick. Moses, a type of the law, never made it into the promised land, did he? Do you guys remember? He died before coming in. He brought him all the way, and then he died. Why? Because we can never make it to heaven by the law. The law is a pedagogos that brings us to Christ. So even if you think, I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments, Ben, or I'm going to keep those 613 commandments, that's not going to get you into heaven. What's going to get you into heaven is putting your faith and trust in God. Really simple. Now, the second thing is Elijah. He represents the saints who are going to be raptured. Why? Because Eliza was raptured. He was on a chariot of fire. He's gone. He's gone. You know what I love about the Lord? Is when Moses was in the flesh and he represented the law, he didn't make it into the promised land. But you can smile right here because Moses made it into the promised land eventually. After when? After Jesus came. Isn't that great? Moses like, I worked so hard for those 40 years with these crazy people, and now I'm in. Yes. And Elijah's over here going, dude, you should have been with me, man. We were flying higher than this. This was crazy. You know what they're talking about, guys? They're talking about the cross. They're talking about the cross. The Moses and Elijah were strengthening Christ for his suffering. They were ministering to him because they knew this was going to come down.
So what happens? Well, the boys wake up. Notice verse 4. So then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us build three tabernacles for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he's still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And when his disciples heard it, they fell on their face and they were greatly afraid. Yeah, I could imagine. See, Mark tells us that they were asleep. When they first woke up, they saw this and they're like, wow. Now, remember, I don't think it was like way distant. I think it was like right there. And the first thing, how many of you have ever woken up startled? And the first thing that comes out of your mouth is just crazy. You know? What's the matter? What's the matter? Or you're freaking out or whatever it might be. This is what Peter does. The first thing comes out and he's like, Lord, it's good for us to be here. How about we build three condominiums? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. But let's look deeper at what he says, okay? Because I want you to see, did you notice it? And you go, notice what? Look at your Bibles. Remember our problem with Pete. You go, what's that? Peter had a desire in his heart, a good desire. There was nothing wrong with that. But he wanted to go with the Messiah to go back to Israel to rule and reign. Jesus, come on, it's time for you to take your throne. Let's go. So much so that that's what he pulled Jesus aside. Hey, hey Jesus, far be it from you. We've got a plan. We're going to rule and reign. Rome's going to be kicked out. You're the king. Let's go. And, and what does is, what is the Lord say? Peter, stop. You're, get behind me, Satan. You don't, have, you, have the, you don't have the mind of God. You have the mind of men. So he's rebuked a little bit, but I still think it's in his heart. How do you know? Look at it. Look at it. Look at it, guys. Peter says, wow, let's make three booths. Let's make three booths because you, he still has it. Do you see that? Come on, somebody. You've got to see this. It's going to go deep, okay? Because although he was rebuked and sometimes we're corrected by the word of God, sometimes we're convicted, we will, for the moment, go, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. And we still have that desire that when it comes up again, that's where our heart races to. You go, stop. No, 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 look at it again. Because he says, instead of going, Lord, I know you're going to the cross. What was this about? He goes, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles and, and we'll rule the rest. Moses and Elijah can rule with us. But while he's saying that, guys, Instead of Jesus correcting them, the Father steps in and speaks. And while he was what speaking, behold, a cloud came and a voice. Can you imagine? He cuts Peter off. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, of course, they were afraid too. This has been a crazy night. This has been out of control. Now, before... We go on, let's answer the question from last week. Some of you standing here shall not taste death until the Son of Man coming in his kingdom was fulfilled right here in the Mount of Transfiguration. Metamorphosis right here. Peter, James, and John saw the Son of Man, the Christ, the Messiah, in his kingdom glory. You go, oh, but here's some, great, here's some great example. You ready? Here's some great application. God the Father steps in 
And he says to the disciples and to us, hear Jesus. Hear Jesus. There should be nobody else we hear than the Lord. Guys, think about this. Think about this. The Catholic Church and other churches have divided over Peter and the saints and the apostles and everything. But the Lord is very clear. What does he say? Hear the Lord. Hear Jesus. Hear Jesus. And we could even take that to a deeper level. You go, what's that? Whenever somebody, myself, Pastor Soph, anybody, include, is teaching you the word of God, hear Jesus. I want to make sure that went on record because when I get to heaven, he goes, hey, Ben, you have an account for all these people at Calvary Chapel. I'm saying, Lord, we preached you and only you. We don't preach ourselves. We don't preach ourselves. I got to tell you the story. Um, it was not this Thursday, but last Thursday, we had a prayer meeting. And when we were done, I'm not kidding you. Somebody said, hey, can, can, can we just pray for Pastor Ben? Can we just pray for Pat? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 I, and I'm just like, I'm just humbled. And I'm sitting in the middle, and, and, and I could hear them praying, and tears are coming out of my eyes. And they're praying for the pastor. And I'm going, yeah, pray for the pastor. And I'm going, and the Lord's like, you're the pastor. And I'm like, I'm the pastor? And it made me realize that the, the, you folks, you folks, I, I'm your shepherd. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to get prideful. I don't want to walk around with a big head and oh, because I that's too I was I was humbled. I was like <gasps> it really was. And you go, why? Because I know me. I know me. You don't know me. I know me. And for for, for the Lord to do that was just so humbling. And I could hear my dad's voice, don't mess up. Don't mess up. And even this week, when we were praying at the conference, I was, I was reminded that um, I don't want an asterisk by my name, if you know what I mean. Oh, he did great up until 2022, and then he, he blew it, man. He blew it. I don't want that. How many of you want to finish well? I'm going to finish well. How many of you want to see the Lord and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your... Right. So, hear Jesus. And, and so this authentication of the Son of God is by the voice of God carried great significance for the disciples. As a matter of fact, years later, Peter wrote about this. Look at Second Peter. You can look at it in the screen because I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Second Peter 1, 16 and 17 says this, For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, Pete, what's up? He said, We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. And he perceived honor and glory of the Father. And the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard the voice from heaven, and we were with him on that holy mountain. Peter wrote about it later. He said, 
Guys, this, this, this is, are you kidding me? And then they're scared. Because it says in Matthew chapter 7, or I'm 17, verse 7 and 8 says, But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw who? No one but Jesus only. You guys see that in your Bible? Underline that. Underline that. Why? Because when they woke up, when they, got, when they, when they lifted their head, Moses and Elijah were gone. And they saw Jesus. This is pertinent. Why? You ready, church? Keep your eyes on Jesus. How so? Moses, I mean, I mean, the three disciples were so freaked out that they fell to the ground, scared, you know, and when they looked up, it was only Jesus. And you go, well, what's the application? You ready? When you're afraid in these coming months and years, keep your eyes on Jesus. When... You're bummed. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you're broken, keep your eyes on Jesus. He will always come and he will always be the lifter of your head. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Great application. You go, but Ben, I've got a question. What does it mean for me to keep my eyes on Jesus? What does that mean? It simply means this, that you have such a connection with him that every part of you aligns with him. In other words, um, if he is the key, then you're the lock. That's what it means. If he's the key, you're the lock, everything a part of it. And it's okay to go, I'm bummed, but my eyes are on Jesus. It's okay to go, I'm anxious, but my eyes are on Jesus. I'm scared, but my eyes are on Jesus. I'm broken, but my eyes are on Jesus. It goes on in verse 9, and it says, And when they came down from the mountain... Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. What did Jesus do? He just reminded them again that he's going to go to the cross. Now, have you ever had such an, a wonderful, traumatic, whatever it might be, experience that when you come out of it, you don't even hear what people are saying? Your mind is so wrapped up of what you just saw. And I don't think they heard. Okay? Because right now, he's telling them that he's about to suffer and that there will be a resurrection. And notice the question. Notice, in verse 10 through 13, they're going to ask him a question. And it has nothing to do with what they just saw. Nothing. Like, like I'm putting myself in their sandals, and, and I'd be like, um, oh, Lord, what did I just see? <laughs> that was trippy. If I'm Peter... Lord, um, I said some crazy things. I didn't really mean to. We're, we're not building nothing. I mean, tell me what this all means. I mean, not our guys. Not our guys. Are they not like us? Look at the question they ask. Look at the question, verse 10. And the disciples asked him, why do then the scribes say to, that Elijah must come first? 
Well, it's a good question, but it doesn't seem like it fits the, the time. Now, I've also asked questions sometimes when I'm nervous that, that I really didn't mean to ask. Like, you don't want to ask, like, you don't want to be the one to ask that question, right? Ever, ever go to a, a meeting and they say, there's no such thing as a dumb question, but you're not going to ask that because you know that's pretty dumb. Or you don't want it to sound dumb. That... So we're asking each other, well, what? what does that mean? I don't know what it means. Ask him. No, you ask him. You ask him. No. Uh, why did the scribe say that Elijah? <laughs> He's like, Really? And Jesus answered them and said, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood what he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Okay? So the whole scene sort of changes. I mean, we went from, whoa, it's the glory. This is great. And now he's going, okay. So Elijah came and was translated. You guys understand that. He was raptured. He was caught up in the air. The spirit of Elijah came in John the Baptist. Now, if you're a Bible student, you will note they have very, they're, they're, they're very, very similar. Well, how so? Both of them lived in the wilderness. They both lived in the wilderness. They both stood up for evil, right? Against evil king's wives. They both were like that. The only difference is that John was killed. He was beheaded while Elijah was caught up and his chariot of fire. But they were very, very similar. Now, let me take you on a real quick different journey, okay? Because according to Revelation chapter 11, 3 through 12, it tells us that there are going to be two witnesses that come on the scene during the tribulation. And there's a lot of speculation to who these are. And again, when you think about it, the word of God says, I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. But nowhere does it give us a definite, these are the two guys. Now, let me, see, let me, here's the hope. We won't be here. Let me say, we're, we won't be here. Thank you. That's the whole, yes. So you and I can have fun and go, who was it? Well, we know that according to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, it says this. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So most people will, will agree, Elijah's coming back. Elijah's coming back. Others people say, well, the other one's Moses. And, and they base that upon all of the miracles that God did through Moses it, during the Exodus. Because they're going to they're gonna be real similar in Revelation. But then other people go, no, 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 I think it's Enoch. Because Enoch didn't die either. Enoch was walking with God, and they were a lot closer to God's home than he was to Enoch's home, and God said, why don't you just come home with me? And so Enoch went home with him. Well, who is it? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that two witnesses are going to come. 
And there's going to be a lot of skepticism when people go, oh, yeah, two men walked out of the Bible, Moses and Elijah, right. And now they're prophesying because they don't believe the word of God. Now they're not going to believe it then. So as we close, we got a glimpse, guys, of the real Jesus. We got to see him in his glorified state, and it said that he was whiter than snow. And I would think it was almost blinding. We got a glimpse of the kingdom, the law and the prophets, the Jews and the Gentiles, and we got to see the Father in heaven. When I think of our study a question comes to my heart. You go, yeah, Ben, what question is that? Do you know him? Do you know him? Are you ready to meet him? Any day now, we are going to see the king. Are you ready? Are you ready? You see, that's first and foremost. I want to make sure I'm ready. I want to make sure. I don't want to put my faith and trust in works. I don't want to put my faith and trust in my heritage. I don't want to put my faith and trust in religion. I want to put my faith and trust in what Jesus did. And here's how I can rest at night. I'm saved not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Amen? Amen. And you go, well, Ben, I'm saved. Okay, here's my second question. Do you... Have a deeper desire to walk with him. Do you have that desire? Because I've laid out what it's going to take. He's going to take you to a higher mountain and a deeper walk with him. But you have to go, Pastor, I'm willing. God, I'm willing. I want a deeper walk. I want to, I want to smell his breath. I want to see his eyes. I want to, I want to feel him. I don't want to confuse my voice, my thoughts, with what God is really telling me. I want to know him. You go, Ben, in this flesh it's not possible, but I at least want to have the desire. I at least want to have that desire. I want to go, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want, I want, I want a holy dissatisfaction with where my walk is right now. Do you? You go, Pastor, I do. Then it's a simple prayer. Lord, I want to go deeper with you. Teach me. Grow me. Help me. I know it's a mountain. I know it's hard terrain. I know it's cold. I know it's lonely. I know there's not a whole lot of people who will understand. But I love you that much, Lord. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. You go, what else should I do? There are a lot of Bible teachers out there. Hear Jesus. Hear Jesus. Study the word of God. And last but not least, guys, as we move forward in 2022, keep your eyes on Jesus. Have such a connection with him that every part of you aligns with him.
Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. Lord, I am 10 to a thousand times, probably, it was probably even so much more than we read in chapter 17, how beautiful and amazing that day was. And to think of all the beautiful application it is for us should stir in us a greater love for you. And then, Lord, if we have a greater love for you, then we'll have a greater love for people. So, God, today, do a work in our hearts. Do a work in our hearts. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Come quickly. It's in your beautiful name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.